sure that's a shock to you. Thank you to the young people from Ambassador Baptist College who just sang for us. They um, travel to churches during the summer to promote the cause of Christ and training for the gospel ministry. And if God is nudging your heart to do something for him, a call to serve is a call to prepare. And that's what these young people have dedicated their lives to do. They belong to a great college and they have two uh, representative adults with them to kind of make sure they behave. And uh, Brother Colmeyer and his wife are here and he is an evangelist and his wife and we're glad that they're a part of the meeting tonight. They've done a lot of work around here and, and I know you as a church are grateful for their assistance. Second Corinthians chapter 4 is from where we're going to begin reading in verse 16. Now, it's kind of unfair. I said we're going to start reading and then I'm talking. So let's fix that. One, Edwin, super job tonight. Thank you. I was so proud of you. Chris, where are you? Are you standing up? Oh, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that hurt. Chris sends me a Bible verse every morning. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate your testimony. It's hard to get up and just be transparent, isn't it? Nothing to hide. And just saying what Christ did for you. The other night we talked about that. We're just nothing but clay pots, guys. That's all we are. And anything that is good that comes out of you or me, Edwin, it's because God put the treasure in us. Himself, the gospel, His word, the promise of His coming. We just wrap all that up in one package. We call it God's glory. The best of God showing up in the best of us. And I thank the Lord for that. He gets the credit. You think these kids are anything special here? College kids all dressed up fancy and everything. like. You think that? No. They're just a bunch of clay pots. And God put some treasure in them. Not that they could get the credit. Remember we talked about that the excellency might be of God. Not of us. I mean, the guy at the piano, I've taught him everything. No, just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, we, Pastor Wes, you know a friend, and they'll just call you out. Just nothing. Any one, of the, any one of us, we're nothing. Our experiences may just simply mean we walk down different paths. That's all it means. But my need and your need, no matter where you are in your life, is identical. Alan, my friend, brought... A uh, guy tonight, John. John, thanks for coming. I'm glad you're here. My name is John too, so it was easy to remember. <laughs> Please, so, if your name's not John, just don't tell me that. <laughs> for me, I I had a different path than Edwin. Did you know Edwin before tonight? No, yeah. So, I my path and Edwin's path was different. I, my parents got saved when I was young and they went to church and kind of, my dad got called to preach. And so, you know, it's a different story, but my need and Edwin's need are the same because there is nothing that I can do in my life to catch God's attention and say, I'm good because there is no good in me. 
So you're a preacher, they're supposed to be good. No, there is no good in any of us. Whether you had a church path or a drug path, it does, there is no difference. Our core problem is that we are sinners. I'm not a sinner by just what I do. I was born a sinner. I don't know if you know this, John, but my mom is in here. And watch what I, listen to what I'm going to say. My mom's a sinner. Where are you, mom? There's the altar lady. No, no, just kidding. For real. We are sinners because we're born that way. We got messed up because of what took place just after creation. God created man in a, in a state of innocence. What does that mean? I'm asking, don't just nod at me, I'm asking. No, innocence, it means he just didn't know this idea of right and wrong. You, you went to college, you're supposed to know this answer. You're traveling with college kids, you're supposed to be smart. And so when we realize that, we realize I am innocent in that state. But then mankind was given a choice. You can follow this one rule and live forever. You can break this one rule and it's ruined. When given the opportunity to choose right and wrong, what do we choose? Why? It's just we're messed up. And, and the fact is, is that when the first guy, Adam, messed up, that was his name. It could have been John. It could have been us. Adam, when he messed up, it messed everything up for everybody born ever since. We come into this world wired to mess up. I can't fix me. There is no prescription that a doctor can give to prescribe away my sin nature. There is no drug or alcohol that I can consume that will cover up my problem. I am so messed up that I deserve to die and go to hell. That's my problem. Whether you had a church path or a drug path or an abuse path, it doesn't matter. Whatever that path was, you were born in this world messed up and there is no way to fix yourself. You say, wow, isn't that depressing? (laughs) It is if that was the only story. So here's what happens. The Bible says... And that should only be the authority. If, if what John says is the authority, then that's wrong. It has to be what, what God's word says. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Why do you all memorize scripture? Why do we do that? We hide God's word in our hearts so we don't sin against it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man. Guess it, what his name was. Yes, thank you. You got one right because your wife told you. Adam. <laughs> Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. What is sin? Sin is that which stands against God's character and righteousness. Sin entered into the world. What came along with sin? Death. 
That means every single person that is born into this world is born a sinner and will die and go to hell unless somebody comes up with a remedy. So what kind of remedy? I said, well, I could buy it. No, it's not a remedy to purchase. It's not even attending church. Although that's a good call. I mean, if you're here, it's a good call. But that's not enough. It's not even having religious relatives. It doesn't get the job done. There is no human remedy for what's messed up in all of us. You say, well, how do I get out of this mess? The Bible says God made Christ to be sin for us. Who does that? God. You see, the thing is, is that for, this is 2 Corinthians 5.21, that it says, for he made him, he, God, made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why would God do that? This is the only remedy. This is why we send missionaries around the world to tell the story that there's only one remedy for mankind's sin problem. It's not a list of quit you doing these things and you'll be rectified or it'll be remedied with God. That is not going to happen. What has to take place is this. You have to realize that Christ became sin for you. And he didn't even know sin. He was God. In the flesh. But without sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin. Why? The verse says that we, John, Edwin, that we might be made the righteousness. I couldn't make my own righteousness. I needed someone else's righteousness. I could not come up with any righteousness. I couldn't borrow righteousness from my family. I could not borrow righteousness from my church. I could not borrow righteousness from anything or anyone. I needed the only one who could provide the remedy for my sin. And that was Jesus Christ. And He became sin for me who knew no sin. Sin, that I could be made the righteousness of God in him. Alan, that's an exchange. What did he get? Nothing. What did I get? Everything. If you don't grasp that, Every good deed you can do in your life won't matter. You can reform 15 times a week. You can say, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to quit thinking this. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do. I can't do. Without Christ, I have no discipline. Without Christ, I have no ability to be able to perform a change on my own. I Need Christ's righteousness for my salvation. The Bible says that when I take the exchange of the righteousness of Christ and I hand him my sin, if you will, if you can understand it in those terms, it's this exchange. When that exchange takes place, 
The Bible says, but as many as receive him, to them gave he power. That's what everybody wants is power. To do what? To become the sons of God. Say, whoa, you, you didn't tell me that part. I can't remedy myself, but somebody wants to adopt me? It's been the passion of God from the very beginning of time when man violated the innocent state that God would adopt all. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, that was Mary, made under the law, to redeem them, to pay the price to release them from bondage, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. If you grew up in a home where no one wanted you, if you grew up in a place where everyone rejected you, if you grew up in a place or a situation or a culture that absolutely treated you like you were dirt, let me tell you about a family. It's called God's family. You might have dad issues because of your own dad. But I'm going to tell you about a father who cared enough to send his son to be able to give you his righteousness. You may have complex feelings about family. You may have complex feelings about your own relationships that you have. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a perfect and righteous father who absolutely loves us and gave his son to die on the cross for you and I so we could have the righteousness of God. The remedy that I needed is the righteousness of God and the way I got the righteousness of God was because of what God did through his son Jesus Christ and therefore I got adopted someone chose to put me in their family forever say well you got that because you were on the church path Edwin were you on the church path no but you got it you know that makes us That's my answer now. Come on. (laughs) Brothers. Started on two different paths. Ended up on the same path. And we would have known each other if it wasn't for Jesus. Wow. Everything changes once you know him. Everything. You say, well, how much does it cost to get into this thing? Christ paid it all. There's no charge. Nothing. It's, it's been paid for. So we're reading a letter here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And Paul is writing to a church. And this church to whom he's writing is in the town of Corinth. And the town where he's writing... I know... The first time he wrote them a letter, let me tell you, that was a messed up church. Their issues had issues. Like my father-in-law said, they had more hang-ups than a clothes closet. There were a lot of problems going on. Paul wrote him a letter, then wrote him a second letter. The letter that he writes, you should know this. It wasn't just like Paul made this stuff up. We believe 
God told him what to say. That's a theological concept called what, college boy? God gives man stuff to write. What do we call that? Inspiration. Thank you. It's all right. I know who they are. It's okay. I have not even started yet. (laughs) And you know what preacher said to me? Take your time. It's going to be a long night, Mr. Schrock. Yeah. You ever meet the class clown? Yeah, there's always one. When I look at the word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I get to verse number 16. This is Paul's letter. Now, we see chapter numbers and we see verse numbers. That's just to help us find the spot. Those chapter numbers and such, they, if without them, we'd say like, go to the 18th word on the fourth page of whatever. And then if you didn't have that Bible, you'd be messed up too. So we put the chapter numbers there to help you. But it's one long letter. So we're in this fourth chapter and we're at the 16th verse. I'm trying to find my Bible. That's what I'm walking around for. Thank you. Life principle, don't forget where you laid your Bible. Paul says in this, to this church, for which cause we faint not. Now, this is the first time you're ever reading this. You're thinking, what cause is this cause? Well, it goes back to chapter 4, verse 1. He has a ministry. What's a ministry? Stuff we do for God. So we go back to verse 16. For which cause we faint not. means we don't drop out. We don't quit. We stay at it. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish. What does that mean? We get tired. If you've worked around Memorial this week, you know what that outward man perishing business is. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So we identify there's an outward guy and an inward guy. The inward person inside of us is that sense of conscience, consciousness that we have. It's the determination between right and wrong. It is who we are as a people, the real us. And that says that that inward man can be renewed day by day. Verse 17. For our light affliction. What's an affliction? It's a a stress. It's a difficulty. It's a pressure. It's a problem. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We will go through tough times, but when we weigh out the tough times... God's glory is weighed on the other side of the scale. Do you see this artistic depiction here? This wooden crate that exists representing who we are in humanity. The rough wood represents who we are as people. And on that foundation, we have a scale. And that scale is flanked on either side. One with a gold crown and a purple uh, 
garment that represents royalty, the crown represents rewards, yet on this side of the scale is an ugly cross made of wood. And under it is a towel that depicts what is a servant's towel. And we realize that there are two images that are portrayed here on this box. And as we look at the scale, the crown tips the heaviest and the cross tips the lightest. And while we would say, is that the cross of Jesus? It's a metaphor for Christ said there would be tasks that he would have us do that would be a cross, a burden, a task that we would bear. And so when we put our tasks on this side of the scale, We look at that side of the scale and no matter how heavy our burden is, no matter how tough our job is, no matter what struggles we go through in our life, we look at this and say, any affliction I have as a servant of God is outweighed by what's ahead. You say, I could never look at affliction as light. I know. That's really hard. No matter where you came from in your life, it's a struggle. Because it it just takes discipline. And we get to verse number 18. And that's from where I'd like to preach tonight. You say you hadn't been preaching yet. That's all introduction. It doesn't go against the balance of my time. Kind of like appetizers, you know, what is it, Applebee's right now has endless appetizers. Just just keep bringing them, it's fine. Verse 18. While we look not, oh wow, let's ask college kids something. This will be fun, girls get a pass always, so don't worry. Mr. Spear, what is a paradox? That's not two doctors in the same office. What's a paradox? You don't know that one. This is why you're in college. Keys, what you got? Okay, Spock, that's not it, but it's a good guess. Struggle's real over here. No wonder they're in college. A seeming contradiction. I'll call Jenny Mason and tell her you guys need help. A seeming contradiction. This, what we're going to read, is a double paradox. Whoa. It hurt your head, didn't it? While we look not at things which are seen... What? While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh. I mean, think about that. That's probably going to hurt your mind if you think about this. Paul says to the church... There's two things at which you can look. You can look at stuff you can see. You say, well, duh. (laughs) I mean, for real, you look at stuff you see. That makes sense. Or you can look at stuff you don't see. 
Say, if you look at stuff you don't see, they kind of put you away for that. I see stuff. What are you looking at? I look at stuff I can't see. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Which one does Paul endorse? He said, look at the stuff you can't see. What? Look at stuff you can't see. That makes no sense. Now, see, here's where life is messed up and the Bible's right. Notice how he defines the double paradox. Do you know what a paradox is? What is it? A seeming, a seeming contradiction. You're working on it. Call Brother Beal tonight after church. While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. What does temporal mean? It fades, it disappears, it goes away. What does eternal mean? It doesn't stop. So if I look at the stuff I can't see, that's forever. If I look at the stuff I can see, that's temporary. Say. The whole society thinks otherwise. I know. And that's why society is messed up. So how can you see stuff that's not there? I mean, what do you have to take to get that? Jesus. Verse number 18. Paul tells me two things. Now, if you've ever been to church like once, you've just figured out, Okay, he has two points, and he's just starting. First thing, number one, there are things I can see, but I choose not to look at them. I choose not to look at what I can see. What can I see? Well, these are what the Bible says are temporal things. And so in life, what I need is I have to discipline myself to say, I will either look in one direction or another. I will make this direction the things I can see. And so when I look at the things I can see, I can see my past. I can see regret. I can see scars. I can see a past that's Stuff I did do, stuff I didn't do. Stuff that messes with my head. Stuff that drags me down. I can look at family. I can look at friends. I can look at my, the old crowd. I can look at all these things. And if I spend all of my life looking at those things, those are called temporal. They're They're going to fade away. They're going to be gone. And And yet, most people, even though God puts his treasure inside of their crack pot, they will look at the stuff they can see and dwell on it. 
I'm going back to the middle. Then there's stuff I can't see. So, I can know that there's stuff that I can see and choose not to look at that. And then realize the double paradox side of this. There is stuff I can't see. And that's what I want to look at. What's the stuff I can't see? The stuff that I can't see is the promise of the fact that God said he's coming back for me and he's prepared a place for me. The stuff I can't see is the fact that his glory is so real and the promise of return is quite evident. That my citizenship is in another country and I'm not to set my affection on things above, but to, sorry, things below, but to set my affection on things above. My heart and desire is to say that I'm going to keep looking at the stuff I can't see because the stuff I can't see is eternal. And what I have to have in my life is someone to remind me, besides me, that I can either choose to look at the eternal or I can choose to look at the temporal. I can choose to look at the stuff I can't see. Or I can look at the stuff that I can see. And if I spend my days looking at the stuff I can see. I'm wasting my time on that which is temporary. Amen. And it is my job to turn around and say no. I have to discipline myself to look at the stuff that I can't see. Because it lasts forever. You see. I think I get it. Brother Schrock, come help me. No, that would mean you stand up and come help me. I want you to be, and this is perfect. You know who Jiminy Cricket is? It's okay, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll help you. I'll help you. Imagine you're going to be my conscience. A visual conscience. Okay? Eternal, temporal. Stuff I can't see, but should be looking at. Stuff I can see, but shouldn't be looking at. And every time I start to head in the wrong direction, it's your job to turn me around and tell me, bingo, you got that didn't take long. You're from Missouri, right? Yeah. Show me. Okay. So when, when I head that way and I start to focus, you just got that, didn't you? Awesome. Okay. So when I start to head the wrong way, your job is to say, Hey, turn around. You're looking at the wrong stuff. Physically turn me around. That'll be good. Yeah. And, and I want you to help me think about the right things. Wow, I'm thinking about my past. Now, John, you got to turn this way. I, you know, my past is just, it's pulling me. <laughs> right, it's this way, eternal. These are the, oh, but man, my past. You know, it's honestly, I've got this thing, and no, I really need to be going that way. Do you understand this? Is this real? Oh, but boy, I'll tell you what, I'm just looking, yeah, I've got, but they hurt me, I got scars over here, I got to look at, I feel hurt. Pick on someone your own size, buddy. 
I need Christian friends who will stand in and help me. People work is hard work, Brother Schrock. People work is messy work. But some days you got to get in the trenches with them and say, look at the stuff you can't see. A home in heaven. A father who's prepared a place for you. Eternal life. Salvation is yours. You have a father. You are a son of God. You are God's child who loves you. Keep your eyes on that stuff because nothing, I said nothing on that side is going to be of any merit. Boy, it pulls me back. (laughs) You're a good sport. Thank you. I appreciate it. There are things I can see, but I choose not to look at. There are things I can't see, and I have to choose to look at them. Why? Because there's nothing of merit, uh, good, nothing good in me. Paul even said, the life I now live... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Without Christ, Edwin, church path, drug path, without Christ, it's the hell path. I mean, even if you made good choices three of the seven days a week, it's still the hell path. No matter how many good, if you chose good seven out of seven days, it doesn't matter. I need Christ's righteousness. And when I have Christ's righteousness, then I need to make the right choice in the double paradox. Either I will look at the things eternal, or I will look at the things that are temporal. I will either look at the things that I cannot see, or look at the things I can see. And when I realize that He put His treasure inside of me, my best days are facing this way, and my worst days are facing this way. And sometimes when you deal with people, you need to be the the, the Matthew Schrock that says, well, turn them around. Tap them on the shoulder. When you get home, Google that Jiminy Cricket thing. You're going to laugh. <laughs> Isn't he, Edwin? Yeah, it's going to be real. He'll have that moment. He's there at the hotel. And he's looking and saying, he said What? <laughs> You know the power of being in a church community, a church membership, or however you want to refer to it? The beauty of having friends is someone who can tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, you can look at that side all you want, but it's not going to help you. Everything's going to pass on that side. What you've got to do is look at this side. Two questions and then we're done. One, have you taken the remedy for your sin? 
say, well, how would I know that? There, there was a moment at some point in your life where you said, I know I can't pay my own price. I'll accept what Christ did for me. Here's the second question. Which way do you look on your journey? If you're looking at the temporal, the looking at the things you can see, that means your back is on the eternal. And what you need is a friend like Brother Schrock will say, hey, John, turn around. You've messed up. Stop looking that way. Look this way. And every time I look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Tonight, I'm going to ask you, if you have never accepted Christ's remedy, not another reform, the remedy, then I invite you. I'll have someone play the piano in a minute. And then you get... Just find a way to this place up here. That We call it an altar. It's not like where we sacrifice people or anything. It's just steps. But we come and we meet God here. It's kind of a, just a, we call it that. But I'll have someone show you how you can have the remedy. The other reason you might come here tonight is to say, God, the eternal weight of glory. I've got to look at the right stuff. I'm tired of looking at the temporal. If I look at every time I've been hurt, every time I've been lied about, every time that someone has done something mean to me, it's temporal. That stuff passes. Eternal. That's what matters. Let's come tonight and have Christ adjust our thinking. Let's come tonight and find his remedy. I'm going to ask you to stand now, those responsible for the instruments to come. And I'm going to ask you tonight to come. If you need someone to show you the remedy, I'll have someone here in a moment to do it.